0: you'll turn in your Bibles uh, to 1st Samuel 17 41 uh, through 48 and 1st uh, Samuel 17 we're just going to camp out there and I'm intentionally going to read 1st Samuel 41 45 uh, f- excuse me 1st Samuel 17 45 first and there's a reason why okay you know um We know that just due to sin and and the, the, how the world has just fallen and, and, you know, you can look in the news. you, You don't, you don't have to look for negativity. You don't have to search for uh just very discouraging things. If anything, you have to be proactive and l- and be proactive to look for things that are positive and keep your mind focused on that which is positive because we're surrounded just by negativity, you know? It's just it just is what it is, okay? But we don't have to live in that state even though we're surrounded by. it. We don't have to allow it to to form an Shape us, and so in this particular uh, part of Scripture, you know, if you're ever familiar, how many of you are familiar with uh, the character in the Bible, David, real a real person? Okay, Uh, he's one of just the uh, he's just I just love the character of David, and in this particular part of the Scripture, uh, David has endured a lot. He's endured a lot of criticism. He's uh, he's endured a lot of things. But what we see in this particular part of Scripture is we see the victory. We see exactly what took place. You know, you know what, when you think of David, you might think of the sheep, you might think of Goliath. Well, in this part of the scripture, we see the battle being won. And how many, many times you can see the battle being won, but we don't see the, um, the obstacles that it took for them to get there. You know, like if you're, uh, you know, I know the S- a Super Bowl is going to be coming up soon. Uh, I'm not going to pretend that I know about football. I'm not going to do that because then I would just sound ridiculous. But I do know there's a winner and there's a loser. And I do know it takes, because those are professional athletes. They just don't wake up in the morning and roll out of bed and say, okay, let me go and win the Super Bowl. They have to go through a lot with their physical body and able to to, to get there. But let's read in this scripture something that I hope it encourages you, and then some uh, some um, some things that we can glean from to fight discouragement from operating in our lives. Okay, so First Samuel seventeen forty one. It says, "Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy faced boy. Am I a dog?" He roared at David, "That you would come at me with a stick." And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I will give you and I will give your flesh to the birds and your wild animals, Goliath yelled. Now, you know what? That's not really an encounter that you're going to get encouraged by. You know, if someone begins, I mean, that's pretty aggressive. They curse at you, you know, and basically like, I'm I'm going to kill you. It wasn't a very loving atmosphere, would you say? Okay. All right. We're all on the same page. Good to know. But listen to David's response. I love David's response. Okay. David shouted in reply, you come to me with a sword, a spear, a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then look to your neighbor, say, and then. I'm going to continue. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone will know that the Lord does not need weapons to rescue his people. It is his battle, not ours. The Lord will give you to us. The Lord will give you to us. Wow. I love that. So just picture it. Scripture describes Goliath and the size of of he is. Scripture also describes describes, uh, David and the size that he is. But David never addressed the size. David never addressed the, the obstacle. What he saw was from the perspective of how God would have him to see. And that is, who are you to come against the children of God? Who are you to disrespect the children of God? David already had in his spirit that God had given him the victory. David had already had in his spirit. Really? You know, I mean, really, you're going to come at me with this? Just wait and see. Just wait and see. But I love it because not only did David address what he was going to do to Goliath, but then he said he went a step further. His faith. And his confidence said, not only am I going to take care of you, but all you Philistines, we're going to get rid of y'all. He went beyond what he physically was seeing. So let's take a look at something. And I intentionally entitled this message, Fight for Discouragement. Now, whenever you hear the word fight, I mean, that's, that's, a proact- that's an aggressive word, right? But whenever it comes time to... The enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy our joy, our peace, and our purpose. And he will bring lies and shade to discourage us. And we do not need to be his punching bag, but we need to fight against discouragement. Amen? Okay, so let's look at some factors of discouragement, okay? Because uh, everybody goes through discouragement. Discouragement is no respecter of persons. Okay? Discouragement does not mean that you're spiritually immature or that you're spiritually mature. Because we see some mighty men of God in the Bible, Elisha, that went through some major discouragement. One minute he's calling down fire from heaven, uh, killing uh, all the false gods. And then the next minute, you know, he's like, Lord, take away my life. You know? So discouragement is no respecter of persons. Here's some factors of discouragement. One... And I'm just going to read them off, and then we're going to go back in Scripture and look at it. One is frustration. Two is fatigue. Three is feeling that I'm failing. And four is fear. Let's look at before the battlefield. What happened before David uh, encountered Goliath? See, in 1 Samuel 17, 9 through 10, David wasn't on the picture at this time. You had a whole army, a massive army, trained army of Israel. And in first Samuel 17, 9 through 10, it says, This is Goliath speaking to the armies of Israel. It says, If your man is able to kill me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel. Send me someone, send me a man who will fight. With me. See, there was tremendous frustration because the battle had been going on for 40 days and they were not seeing any resolve. How many of you know you see patterns in your life and it's like, is this ever going to end? Is this ever going to get better? Just whenever you seem to get over one thing, it's like another thing comes. Am I just speaking to myself? You know? So those are factors of discouragement, frustration. It stops you from seeing clearly. The same God that was for David was the same God that was for the armies of Israel. So why any one of those men, of the children of Israel, could have gone and picked up a rock? But why David? Why David? Because discouragement will paralyze us from seeing things clearly. And we'll just get downright frustrated, you know. And it it can, it can just it'll change. It will it will change everything. It'll change our frustration. It'll change uh, it will change our responses. It will change our approach. In First Samuel seventeen two, Doug, uh, I don't have you don't have this scripture, but in the New Century Version it says, "And Saul and the Israelites gathered in the valley and camped there, and took their positions to fight the Philistine." They took their positions. They were there ready to fight. They were there. It's like, okay, because they knew that they were the children, that they were uh, that God was for them. God had already promised them through uh through um uh many, from the Philistines to the Malachites, that God was gonna wipe them out. And so God they knew that God was on their side. But they got discouraged and frustrated even whenever they were in the battle. Even whenever they positioned themselves and they had all their armor. And scripture even says that before David even got, as David was coming up, they were going out and they were ready. How many of you know in just our daily lives we can be ready? Yes, I love God. Yes, I'm going to serve God. And man, we just get frustrated because we don't see things changing. Is that making any sense? All right. Number two is fatigue. Stops you from having energy. Obviously, that's everybody should know what fatigue is. But First Samuel 17, 16. For 40 days, twice a day, morning and evening, the Philistine giant strutted in front of the Israelite army. Now, I thought that it was interesting that the Scripture used that words. Because Goliath constantly, for 40 days, was taunting, was criticizing, was ridiculed. They were physically and emotionally done. They were exhausted. They were exhausted. Here you have a whole army that had more physical strength than one man, David. But what was the difference? Because discouragement will will paralyze you and faith will give you such strength and confidence that you can do anything. You see, you see what I'm saying? So fatigue. Number three is feeling that I am failing. First Samuel 17, nine through 11, it says, if, if your man is able to kill me, then we will be your slaves. Able. Can you imagine able to kill me? Here you are, the army. That, that God, that generations have seen God's faithfulness, but he said, if you're able. First Samuel 17, verse eight says, as Glaston and shouted to the Israelite soldiers, why have you taken your positions for battle? See, that's just another, that's just another, what's the word, taunt. The enemy knows who our God is, but he wants us to forget who our God is. And man, with the simple things from frustration to fatigue to feeling that I'm failing. I see this obstacle, but I just I can't seem to grasp it. I can't seem to wrap my brain around it. I can't seem to, to go past it. And the last factors of discouragement is fear. Well, it'll stop you from moving forward. Because look in 1 Samuel seventeen eleven. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, whenever they heard Goliath come out, it was just with his taunts and killing, it says they were terrified and deeply shaken. Terrified and deeply shaken. The same strategies that the enemy used against the children of Israel is the same strategies that the enemy would try to use with us today. Factors of discouragement, frustration. Factors of discouragement, fatigue. Factors of discouragement, feeling that I am failing, are fear. But here's the good news. Are you ready? A winning strategy to overcome discouragement. is still the same today as it was back then. So let's look at number one, a winning strategy to overcome discouragement. One is refocus on God. Had they lost the sight of whose whose army that they were, they were the army of God. They were chosen. They had the blessing of God upon their life. The enemy, with the frustration, with the exhaustion, was trying to cloud that vision. And my friends, for you and I today, for us to overcome discouragement, we need to refocus on God. Refocus on Him. How do you do that? You ask yourself, what is consuming my thoughts? What is consuming my thoughts? Jonah 2.7, I love this. It says, when I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. You know, sometimes for us to walk out of discouragement, we just need to turn our thoughts once more to the Lord. Once more, he is my healer. Once more, he is my provider. Once more, he is my protector. Once more, he is my deliverer. Just turn your thought. One turned thought toward Jesus can change your world. Amen. Psalm 119, 25. I lie in the dust, completely discouraged. Revive me by your word. Revive me by your word. That means awaken me. Lord, when I'm exhausted, when I feel like I can't go anymore, Lord, when I feel like that there is no one, no one understands or no one cares, Lord, I know that you do. And we cannot forget to be revived, awakened by the very power that's in the word of God. You have to refocus On God, And we do that going to his word. I love in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, it says, Jesus, the son of God, let us cling to him and never stop trusting him. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help when we need it. Ephesians 3, 20, by his mighty power at work within us. Come on, look to somebody and say, he is able. Come on, I'm going to continue to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare ask our hope. Do you find that whenever you're refocusing on God, you are becoming, you will become more vulnerable. You will become more transparent. But what is the, what the roles that are shifting is you will become more dependent upon God because your faith will be in God and not in yourself and your situation and your circumstances. See, when we become discouraged, it's because we are allowing our thoughts to consume us of the problem at hand. Goliath was the problem at hand. But we cannot lose focus that God is on our side. God has given us victory. He says, How has He done that, Dixie? Oh, you know how He's done that? By the work on the cross and by the blood of Jesus. Okay? See, when we begin to refocus on, on the word of God, it begins to stir up faith within us. It begins to establish new faith within us. And my friends, when we are hearing and we are focusing on the truth of the word of God, it will identify discouragement that is operating or it will even identify a wrong thought that has been entangled in your thinking that has distorted you and then making decisions upon that wrong thinking. But here's the good news. The Word of God will expose that, and it will hit discouragement right between the eyes, and it will fall. Isn't that cool? It'll do it every time. Because that's the power that is in the Word. That is the power that's in the Word. See, in 1 Samuel 17, 32... In the new um, century version, David said to Saul, "You know, at this time he had already heard the interaction with Goliath. He had already talked to some of the some of the troops. And so when he went, when he goes to Saul, because he realizes, hey, you know, if someone's going to kill Goliath, man. First of all, why haven't y'all done it already? You know, um, but um, so he goes to Saul, or someone gives word to Saul that Goliath, that David was totally willing to just knock out the the, the giant." You know? And so when Saul approaches, when David approaches Saul, he's like, Oh, no, no, no. No, 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 no. You, Goliath is a warrior. You're just a boy. You know? But listen to David's resolve to this. Listen to David's resolve. David said to Saul, Oh, don't let anyone be discouraged. I, your servant, will go and fight the Philistine. <laughs> he's in the presence of a king. But with such confidence. He wasn't even, here's the cool thing, he wasn't even a, he was not a soldier. He was a, he was a shepherd bringing a message uh, back to his father, but some food to check on his brothers and their captives, and their captains. You know, he was not even a soldier, but yet he had the courage and the bravery of a soldier. Why? Because he had spent much, much time focusing on who God was. 1 Samuel 17, 37, it says, The Lord who saved me from the claws of the lion and the bear will save me from the Philistine. Daniel began, not Daniel. David begins to tell Saul what happened and how God had, had uh, just uh, given him strength and the ability whenever the enemy of, of these animals would come, David will kill David killed them. And so he's sharing this obviously with King Saul. Now let's just pause for a moment. It's a lion and a bear. And he's speaking so casually. He's speaking, "Oh, I just grabbed it by the jaw and I ripped it. It's a lion and a bear, people, not a possum. A lion and a bear." You know, and look at his confidence. When we are in the and when we are focusing on who God is, we will have a new, fresh perspective that no matter what new situation we're in, we will not look at our own stature and ability to determine if we are qualified or if we are able, but our identity and our confidence will be in who God says we are. You know, um, not in the house that I live in now, thank God, but the house before I had bought this one. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night and I, I was startled because I heard a noise. And, it, it, you know, when you hear a noise, like, mm-mm, something's not right. And so I, I laid down for a moment, and I got up, I used the bathroom, and I got back in bed, but I just couldn't go to see it. Something, that was just a weird kind of noise, you know. And all of a sudden, I look, because of where my bed was, I looked to the bathroom, and I am not lying. He, he, this, and this is the middle of the night, this creature had smashed himself down and was coming underneath my door. And it was a possum. Don't ask me how he got in the house. I just know he didn't belong. And I will tell you, him and I had a stare down. And I will tell you, he won. Because if you've ever been woken up in the middle of the night, it's not a natural thing for you to look down and see an outside critter animal inside your house where it should not be. You know, and I I mean, if I had to put words in his mouth, he was probably because I kid. by this time, honestly, I was on top of the bed. I wasn't in the bed. I was on top of the bed. And I was like this you know, (laughs) because I didn't know. I was like, well, will a possum jump? I don't don't know. I need to be prepared, you know, and he was like that, too, because he didn't quite know what to do. And I just come to this. result. hey, you can have my house. I'm done. And I packed a bag and I went to a hotel. But I say that. I'm not kidding. I say that. We get these unexpected situations. What are we going to do? How are we going to handle it? You know? and But I just love David's resolve. Hey, hey, I killed the lion and the bear. I killed the lion and the bear. God has, because whenever we trust God in every stage of our life, where even in those small stages, our faith grows. So that whenever other obstacles come that are even more bigger than us, from the lion and the bear to the giant, it's like, no, no, no. God has already been faithful here. I know he'll be faithful here. Is that me? And that faithfulness of God, that character of God, it will carry you as you're refocusing your mind on God, it will carry you out of any discouragement. Amen? So number two. Um, a winning strategy to overcome discouragement is refocus on God. Number two, and okay, and this is, this is, this is real spiritual. It's not real, real spiritual. I'm just joking. It's, it's very elementary, but I'm going to be honest. It's one of the hardest things for me. And I constantly, constantly have to go to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, help me with this. Number two, as far as the strat- winning a strategy to overcome discouragement is rest my body. Rest my body. For 40 days, they were constantly, 40 days, twice a day, AM and PM, they were constantly getting this ridicule. Did they ever rest? Even if they were in the battle, what did they do to rest? They were exhausted. They were exhausted. But there's two forms of there, there's two areas of rest. Rest physically and then rest emotionally. Let's address the one physically. Now I'm gonna read some scripture. And I hope that as I read this scripture, it's there to encourage you and never to condemn you. And I will say, I am, I am still, by God's grace, walking this one out. It shouldn't be, but it's just the reality. Okay. Psalm 119, 73. It says, You made me, you created me, now give me the sense to follow your commands. So what do you mean, Dixie? Follow your commands. I'm so glad you asked. Exodus 28, Through 11, it says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days or a week are set apart for your daily duties and regular work. But the Sabbath day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. The Lord blessed the Sabbath and set it apart as holy. Is it possible that discouragement that you might be facing or walking through is just because? You're physically exhausted. Here's the resolve. Rest. Rest. Seriously. I know as we're going into the, hol- coming in the middle of the holiday season, you know, my family and I had to look back and uh, one of our our, our you know, matriarch in our family, you know, y'all have those and they just love to cook everything. They're like, let let us help you. Let us. you." You don't need to cook five pies. We can cook some of those. Not that we need to eat five pies. That alone in itself, let's reevaluate. That's a whole other message, not getting into that. Okay. But some of the things in our lives that are maybe causing us to be so discouraged is because we're just exhausted. And it's like, I Scripture says that whenever we obey this command, it's dedicated to the Lord and it's holy. My friends, when we are following the word of God for our lives, we're going to be blessed. And this resting is the same thing. You know, I know I've heard of pastors say it's easier for us to focus on the Ten Commandments. Hey, you know, one, put God first, two, worship only God, three, respect God's name, four, keep God's Sabbath day. Okay, I'm going children's church mode here. You know what I'm saying? You know, be faithful in marriage. Those seem to be magnified, but resting was on there for a reason. Because God knows that if we're going to serve Him on this earth, if we're going to position ourselves for battle to recognize the enemy's attacks, we have to be rested. Or we're not going to be, for lack of a better word, no earthly good because we're just going to be so tired. And we're going to do, we're going to fall into the same trap as the army of fatigue, of frustration, of fear. Because we just have nothing left to give. So that's from the physical side, okay? Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me all who are weary and heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I love Isaiah 40, 29-31. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. Tired and worn out. What do you mean, Dixie? He gives power to those. Guys, our body is full of energy. If we can't wake up out of bed, if we can't even roll out because we're so exhausted... How are we going to maintain healthy relationships if we're just kaput? You can't have a healthy marriage if you just don't have the, the, the emotional and the physical energy to have a conversation. Spouses, some of the best thing that your spouse, if they had of long hours, if they're on a rigorous work schedule, before you unload them all the stuff that needs to happen, some of the best thing that you can do to help your helpmate, honey, just go take a nap. Now that, it might not seem spiritual, but that is enriching your home. Okay? All right. Um, It says, He gives those who are tired and worn out, He offers strength to the weak. Even the youth youth will become exhausted and young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That word, wait, it means kavah. It means to look, to expect, to bind together. It means when we have our faith in Jesus Christ and we look with an expectation of what he's going to do and what he, and how he's going to move in our lives, then we can have the resolve and the peace and the strength that comes from that and not stress. What is he going to do? I don't see him moving. You know, How am I going to fix this situation? Do you understand what I'm saying? Now we have the other part of rest my body. We have the emotional tired you know as the holidays come holiday seasons can people can experience different things you know some for the holidays it's yes let's let's have a family let's eat let's have a party let's great but if somebody has lost a loved one they're going to experience something different or if there is stress in a relationship or a strain or even a broken relationship sometimes the holidays instead of them being a time of just celebrating just what we are thankful for, and just the gift of God by sending His Son, Jesus, it can cause discouragement. It can cause discouragement. And you can actually be, just become emotionally drained and just want it to pass, quite honestly. Because those traditions maybe that you used to do with your loved one, you, you don't do them anymore because they're not there. Are those things that you would like to do or like to see with your family, the relationships are just too strained. And it's heartbreaking and it's discouraging. But my friend, there's good news. In Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, it says, Without wavering, let us hold tightly to the hope we say we have, for God can be trusted to keep His promises. You know, I find that it was interesting that that scripture, before we read the second part, that that scripture is there because God has wired us all to want to have significance and belonging. And whenever you're around the holidays, it's like, hey, you spend time with family. And if there's a disruption in that, it can really bring such discouragement to our lives. But listen to what this next part of the scripture says. Think of ways to encourage one another to outburst of love and good deeds. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now. My friends, this is talking about the church coming together. Psalm 68, 6 says, For God places the lonely in families. If you are walking through this holiday season and you are discouragement, is just really wanting to just grip you in such a way because some of your family dynamics have changed. My friend, you have a family in the body of Christ. And you do not have to be alone. You know? Um, and you say, Dixie, okay, how is that? Listen, there are two events that are coming up that are very, and they're free. OK, we have the men's supper that is coming up uh, Tuesday, December 7th uh, at 630 p.m. back here in the J building. They're going to come and have gumbo. If you're feeling discouraged, like, man, I don't even want to get into the holidays. I'm not looking forward to it. Come on, to help you get out of that discouragement, my friends, you need to rest emotionally. You need to laugh a little bit. Be around people that love and value. And the men, come on, how many of you like some good gumbo? That's a place for you to be. OK, even for the ladies a ladies thrive is uh Friday night, December 10th at 630 in the auditorium free. Sometimes you just need to laugh. You just need to laugh. You need to have somebody look at you in the eye and say, listen, I know things might look a little different right now, but you're not alone. God places the lonely in families and you have a family here. Amen. Amen. Man, I, I really hope, those of you who are watching, those of you, I really, really hope that y'all get that because that was a burden as I was preparing this. Because as Brother Francis many years ago said, there's not an accident that family life is called family life. And, and there should not be loneliness in the body of Christ. Because, man, that will lead to such discouragement. Okay? So come on, just take that step. Get in your car. And come and join us. Men's Supper, Ladies Thrive Night. All right? Okay, and then last. So come on, let's have a recap. A winning strategy to overcome discouragement. One, refocus on God. Two, rest my body. Rest my body physically, and then rest emotionally. And we rest emotionally by coming together. Do not neglect our meeting together. Okay? And then number three... Uh, how a uh, winning strategy to overcome discouragement. And the last one is resist discouragement. Resist it. Listen to what in First Samuel 17, 26 through thirty. This was as David had just. Let me say that as David had arrived to the camp, and uh, the army ca- the army went out. He heard what Goliath said. Now the army is coming back in, and this is the dialogue. Uh David was asking, he says, What's going on? Why is why is Goliath still doing that? You know, is any does anybody have a game plan? You know, what's gonna go on? And so some of the some of the soldiers saying, Listen, uh, not only if some the person that defeats Goliath, but they'll win the, the king of the daughter, do- they'll win the daughters. I didn't say that right. They'll win the king of the daughter. Is that right? They'll win the daughters. Anyway, you know what I'm going with. They'll win the daughter of the king. There we go. Okay. And then they'll stop paying taxes. They won't have to pay taxes. Now, you would have thought over those two things, they would have been every man uh, alive in the camp would have been like lined up. But see, discouragement even stops you from seeing your blessings that God has for your life. From seeing them, from walking in them. Okay? Listen to this. And so David's oldest brother, Eliab, hears this dialogue. And listen to this. But when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. This is Eliab being angry. What are you doing around here anyway? he demanded. What about those few sheep you were supposed to take care of? Hmm, Through shade. Okay? I know about your pride and dishonesty. Whoo, that was an undercut. You just want to see the battle. Now listen to this. What have I done now? David replied, I was only asking a question. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. For David to respond, what have I done now? There there was obviously tension and that type of interaction with his brothers before. But this is so key. When you and I are faced with character attacks, slander, a negative report... Are no support. Remember, people are not your enemy. This dialogue between David and his brother was pivotal because if he, I believe, if he would have engaged and entertained that very conversation, people are not your enemy. But because of bitterness and jealousy that was in Eliab, that was implanted in him way before because David was the one that that um, that um, Samuel had come to anoint and not Eliab. That was a big, big thing. Normally, the first son ha- has, has the rights of that, but he wasn't because God didn't look on the stature of man. He says God looks at the heart and David was the one that was well pleased with God, that God was well pleased with. And so Eliab had bitterness and anger and frustration in his heart, and he just spewed it right there at David. David's very purpose, God had called David to destroy that Goliath, without a doubt. But what would have happened if David would had engaged in an arguing battle and trying to defend himself and his character with his brother? It would have got him distracted of the very purpose of what God wanted him to do. Even possibly to the point, oh, my goodness, I can't deal with you anymore. I just came here to bring some some grains and some cheese. I'm going back and seeing dad. And he could have missed out on something bigger that God wanted to use him to do. Don't entertain or engage the very thing that Satan is wanting to use to discourage and distract us from the purpose and victory of God in our lives. Amen? Because Colossians 3.13, it says, You must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the people, give the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love that is, is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from God, that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. There's no doubt that because David clothed himself in love towards his brother, he was able to move on to the next phase that God had for him. There's no doubt that when David clothed himself in love, that he was able to position himself in the, the battle for victory because what was the next thing? Once he had agreed that, that Saul was, that he was going to fight the battle, Saul begins to put other clothes on him. We do not need to take other people's blessings and try to put them on ourselves. God has something blessed for us. We just need to not allow discouragement and distractions to keep us from the purposes and plans of God. Amen? Mm, that's so good. I encourage myself. Okay. Satan used discouragement and distractions to rob us from the peace of God. And in a discouraged state, we can begin to doubt the purpose of God for our lives and can become slacking and trusting in God with our lives. We can't afford it. We can't afford not to trust God. That's why the enemy tries to come to bring discouragement. My friends, you can recognize it. Recognize, okay, I'm going to refocus on the truth of what God says about me. You know, I'm going to re- evaluate my life. Have I just, have I been working seven days a week, nonstop, 90 to nothing? Okay, hold on. I really encourage you, look at what you're spending your time on. You know, I always, a lot of times there's always projects that come up, but at the end of the day, it's like, okay, is this going to affect heaven or hell? If you, and I'm serious, I'm not trying to make a joke. If you did not get your Christmas lights up on the outside of your house because you're so exhausted, it's okay. You're still going to heaven. You know, I appreciate decorations. I like pretty things. But we have to refocus on those things that are very important so that we do not allow them to take place of being on the throne of our heart and only God. Amen. My friends, in this message, say, come on, fight. Fight for, fight against discouragement. Fight against it. Don't let the enemy, Satan, have the final say-so in your life. Come on, when you find that those stresses are wanting to come, when you're finding that you feel like you're being attacked whether it's from a coworker or a family member, come on, stop right there in your tracks. Remember, people are not your enemy. And you just I really encourage you just to kind of take your position You know, take your ground and begin to just declare and just begin to speak over your mind and over your soul. I will have peace. I will be healed. I will have the favor of God. I will have a great marriage. My family will serve the Lord all the days of their life. Come on. You got to begin to believe it. Stake your ground and stand it and speak it. Don't allow the enemy to take, don't allow the enemy to bring discouragement and you stay there. Okay? Because 1 John 4, 1 through 4. Come on, how many of you know it? You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, would you stand to your feet? So right now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to get a visual. I want you to get a visual of 1 Samuel 17, 45. I want you to get a visual as David was on that battlefield. And David began to shout, You come at me with a sword and with a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And today the Lord will conquer you. God wants us to be encouraged that he loves us and that he values us. He wants us to be encouraged by us refocusing, reminding us, Hey, I'm here. I'm for you. I love you and I value you. And I want you to live this life that I have given you with joy. And not with, I just wish this day would end. So Father, I just thank you right now for every person in here. If you are in such a place of discouragement and you say, Dixie, I'm in that place of discouragement because I don't feel like I have any hope. I don't know God. My friends, the first place where discouragement can be broken off of us is we have to receive God as our Lord and Savior. We have to recognize our need for Him and allow Him to come in. So if that's you, whether you hear or you physically, you say, Dixie, that's the place where I need to begin. Just by your faith in in Jesus Christ. I just want you to repeat this. It's not the, the, the verbiage of the prayer, but it's your faith in Jesus Christ. Say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me trying to live my life alone. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you into my life right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, my friends, I encourage you to not only with you and the Lord, But I encourage you to have a dialogue with you and your spouse. Honey, have I been a little stressed? Have I been a little snappy? Do I look? Have you seen me discouraged? You say, Dixie, why do you want me to ask my spouse that? Because we can live in such a place of survival mode that we won't realize some of the patterns that we're having are simply unhealthy and they're not the purpose of God. God does not want us to live with the mindset, I just want this day to be over. I can't deal with it anymore. Does it mean that everything's going to smell like roses? Of course not. But at least in the difficulties, we will stand and we can still have peace that God is with us. So I really, really encourage you As a single person, Lord, I ask that you examine me. What are areas that that I'm discouraged or that I'm, I'm allowing discouragement to come? For Father God, that I can enjoy this life that you have for me. And married couples, ask your spouse and spouse respond gently with the answer. Not with, I've been telling you this for so long. Not with, It's about time, but gently with love. Okay? Allow the love of God to speak through you to strengthen you as one. Amen? So let's just pray right now. You say, Dixie, man, I could use some encouragement from the Lord. I need to be encouraged. Let's just go to the Lord right now. Father God, I thank you for each person in here. Father, I thank you for this word. And I know that this word, Father God, will touch the hearts and the minds of people. And that, Lord God, you're already moving. You're already speaking. You're already encouraging them in the name of Jesus. That, Lord God, that we can go through this world with joy in serving you. Father God, may courage rise up and may fear be canceled out, Lord God. May faith rise up and may doubt be shattered, Lord God. To where we will not settle and rest on the enemy being our minds and our souls being a punching bag of discouragement, Lord God. But Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, may we be encouraged with the truth of the word of God. That God loves us and values us and is for us, Lord. Father, I ask that as we apply the truth of the word of God of resting. Connecting with people in church. Lord God, that we would see the value and the importance of the simple things of giving our lives to you in these areas. Lord, we praise you and I thank you for each person in here. Father, may your grace rest upon them. May your peace rest upon them. And, Father, may you flood their spirit and soul with the encouragement of the truth of the word of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Guys, we love you. We're so glad you joined us tonight. If there's anything that you need, we're here for you. God bless.